Overnight success? Not so fast. Now, the people that are doing the really big work for the really big teams and the really big companies and the organizations, they earned every piece of it. They started in their garage in a part-time job with their family. Yeah, that's how you build it. And we're going to hear about it next. Jim and Susan Heiser, next. This is a dash of grit. Recipes for success from courageous leaders who overcome challenges and build great things. Now, podcasting from Spire to leaders in local communities like yours, here is Brian Leflock. And let's get cooking. Folks, I, I maybe this is just me. Maybe this is just me. If, when you're entrepreneurial and you want to figure out what you want to start, don't we all kind of start with, I'll sell t-shirts. <laughs> I'll print t-shirts and I'll run my own little company. It'll be awesome. And I, I remember the, the story of, you know, selling out of the van and, and building these little things. And they, I just feel like everybody wants to do it. And it seems so simple. Buy some shirts, print some shirts, sell it. And small business, I think a lot of times feels like that. Uh, it's just start a business. It's easy, but it's not easy. And small business gets big and small business has big problems. And it gets gritty, and especially when it's family business. And that's why I can't wait to introduce you to our guests today on Dash of Grid. This is Jim and Susan Heiser. They are the owners of Bullseye Active Wear and Promotions right here in Brunswick. And I, I got to tell you, when I met Susan, I met Susan first and then met Jim. And I just knew the way she talked about her business, it was built on like every single thing they did matter, just like true family, just like just like we all go through. And, and there was something bigger on the other side. And when she told me what Bullseye actually was doing as her little small business, I was like, man, this is bigger than you even said it was. And then that was pretty, pretty impressed. So I'm going to start talking, stop talking now and introduce you to Jim and Susan Heiser. Welcome to Dash of Grit. Thanks for having us. That was a strange opening, but I'm just so intrigued by family business and small business. And I, I'm just so thankful for people like you they get up every day and do it. And I know how hard it is. And I don't know how hard it is because I haven't done it, but I've seen how hard it is. And I'm excited to hear this, this story. Jim and Susan, can you tell me a little bit about Bullseye Active Wear and Promotions, about what you do? I know it's more than t-shirts. I didn't mean to set it up that way. But can you tell me more about what you do and, and, uh, and, and some great things about Bullseye? Yeah, we do. Uh, we certainly do T-shirts, but um, we do uh, a lot of other things. We do screen printing, embroidery. Uh, we do transfers um, for, you know, for example, team numbers. We do that kind of thing. Um, we also do promotional products. So, so there's a. It started as T-shirts, and it started as only screen printing, but uh, it's certainly grown to um, encompass many things. Yeah. And some of the folks that you're working with, again, that's what I meant by that. Like it, it's, it seems like a simple thing, but yet it can encompass so many things. And most businesses do, they, they grow and they flower. And so what kinds of businesses are you serving? How, how big is this little company that you started in the, as a part-time gig? Um, talk to me a little bit about success here for Bullseye. Yeah, we actually started in our garage. <laughs> so yeah. it, it was very small. Yes. Just like Apple. <laughs> yeah. so small part-time, <clears throat> excuse me, small part-time business in the garage. And then uh, as we, we were growing and getting busier, you know, um, I left my full-time job to, to do it after about five, six years. And then after the first year, we brought in our first full-time employee and uh, we still worked out of the garage for probably another three or four years, moved to Brunswick, uh, rented a place for about 10 years. And then, uh, purchased our own location about 11 years ago and then made an addition on that 
So now we're close to 11,000 feet under one roof. Um, as customers, we, we will get people, everything from startups um, to brand new businesses, uh, local churches, um, sports teams, but then the large ones is we'll do uh, Fortune 500 companies, uh, big companies that you've heard of like Sherwin Williams and those. And then uh, all the professional sports teams in Cleveland, we've worked with the Cavaliers, Indians, Browns, uh, the Monsters when they won the Calder Cup. <clears throat> and then we'll also do some uh, sports teams that are out of the area. Uh, we've worked for the Red Sox, the Chicago Cubs, um, the dreaded Golden State Warriors we've printed for. So uh, depending on what it is, <clears throat> we can work with a lot of different places and we'll ship across the country and even internationally. Yeah. And see what you just did there, Jim, is exactly my experience when I talked with Susan. You started out in a, such a humble way of this is how we began. And it seemed like, yep, small business, small business, small business. And then all of a sudden I find out we work with Sherwin Williams. And all of a sudden I find out that when I'm at the Cavs games, the all-star games, those jerseys that they're running around in, those, those are yours. And, and all of a sudden I find out that, that you're really doing big things and you have a lot of equipment and a lot of space and employees. And, and uh, I just, I just, and marveled by how sometimes those big, those small dreams can become big successes. Do you ever marvel at that yourself? Did you expect to build this thing? No, we did not expect that it would be this way. And actually when we started, um, we got help from our parents. And one thing my dad said was, don't leave your job. So, you know, he, he was worried. We had a small fan. We were starting a family. He was worried that we were just going to jump off and not have a safety net. So when it came time for Jim to leave his job, we were so nervous to tell him. And he just looked at us. He said, I was wondering when you were going to do that. You guys have a business now. You need yeah. to do this. So, yeah, we did not expect it to become what it is. Do you still, do you think of it as what it is? I feel like it still feels like your little part-time business in the garage and yet it's doing all these big things. Is it possible that you just wake up and go to bed with this little business, except it's just really outperforming anything you realize? Well, it takes a lot more now. So a lot of the sleepless nights as most business owners have thinking about scheduling and stuff. We're having the same difficulties other people have with finding the supplies and keeping people trained. I mean, one thing you mentioned this small business and the family business that's very true with us, especially our kids are uh, now older, but they all grew up working in our business. Mm-hmm. Um, they uh, all their friends when they were in high school and college helped us in the summer. Um, my brother-in-law played a big part in it. So um, we've had, uh, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, we had a very busy weekend, Saturday and Sunday running. And my oldest daughter had, friends that had never even worked for us before that came in on the weekend and we paid them to help us. So it's that type of stuff that we are still able to um, rely on our children to help us because they're still around and they know the business. So it's uh, it's worked out well. That's a nice uh, be able to go back to that. Well, congratulations. One of the definitions I have of success is when your kids want to hang around with you when you're older. And uh, <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like you're getting there. And so that's good. Uh, let's talk about grit. I know in a family business and a small business and whatever size business, there are lots of stories to tell and, and you guys have overcome some things. And so let's go ahead and talk about uh, what it was like when it wasn't so easy, when it was kind of just getting started or whenever it kind of felt like it wasn't going to do the things you wanted it to do. Let's talk about some grit. And uh, if you can share those stories with me, let's start there. 
Okay. Well, I would say the first thing is when we started the business, it was with a partner and it wasn't called a bullseye then, but um, that the biggest issue there was uh, the partner came in and he was the money man. And we had the ideas for the screen printing. We had the knowledge. I went to um, high school, learned about screen printing then, um, had a college degree in graphics and stuff like that. So uh, it was different. Uh, the idea was he was putting together the money. We were going to help him with the business plan. I'd already been working in printing for years by then, uh, not printing t-shirts, but still in the printing business. What we didn't have was clearly defined, uh, written out contracts on how everything would be done. So mm-hmm. the idea was we would, as the orders were sold, a percentage would go to him, percentage would go to, to us. And uh, if we sold a job, we had a higher percentage. If he sold a job, he had a higher percentage, but he was always getting the bigger part because he put the money out and my money, our percentage was going to pay back the debt that was originally in. So it was a fine, it was a handshake deal and everything was good. We did that for a few months. What, What happened, what we found is that he would be purchasing other equipment and uh, it would keep going on the books. So after, I would say, six months, our debt had doubled and the amount that was coming off was very insignificant. And those were purchases that we hadn't agreed on. Mm-hmm. So after a while, all the frustrations were there. Susan and I are talking. I'm like, oh, we'll never get out of this. We'll never be getting a money out of this. We're putting in all the effort, but we're not going to get paid off. If you can keep buying equipment and putting it in the books, and putting it as my debt, but I had no say in that. The first equipment we all agreed on. The next two things he bought, which were very expensive, were not part of the deal. So that's mm-hmm. what made really all the frustration happen. And and what were you thinking when you did you just wake up one day and see that there's this new piece of equipment and you went to him and say, What what's going on here? Tell me more. And he said, Yeah, we need it away. And I mean, what was that relationship like? Yeah, it was very odd because uh, that was also a home based garage business, too. So um I'd be over there a couple nights a week working in the garage. He'd be in his house making phone calls on other stuff. He was an electrician by trade. So he had a side business too. So basically had a regular job and two side businesses, the screen printing and also that. So yeah, literally you hit it on the nail. I came over one time and there was equipment there that we've never even discussed. And it was expensive. You know, it was a lot of money. And, uh, I'm like, what's this? And sure enough, it was on the books then as a part of our thing. So it was very odd. You know, uh, there were other things that were, uh, all I can say is the partnership thing for me to ever do something like that again, it would have to be totally different because oh, yeah. um, it was, uh, we didn't have it written down. We didn't have anything legally done. So there was no way to come back and change anything. You know, there were times when we were gone that I came back and saw screens from a job that then wasn't on the books. So he had done other work and then was foolish enough even to leave them around, didn't even care. And it, and I said, well, that's not in the books, you know, this job. And by rights, I wasn't here, but I should have still got a percentage of it. Yeah. And uh, he's like, well, you weren't here. So as just another example, I'm like, well, if he's doing that stuff right in front of us, what's going on when we can't see what's going on? Yeah. And, and Susan, Susan, how does that make you feel when, when your husband comes home from the, or maybe you were working the same or whatever, but all of a sudden, I mean, you mentioned your dad said, you be careful, you know, don't quit this, this, you know, he probably had some wisdom of failure in the past or whatever it might be. Just keep your eyes open. All of a sudden you realize maybe your eyes were closed a little bit. How does that make you feel? 
Yeah, it was uh, it was frustrating. You know, he was he was away from us for big chunks of time to do this. And then, you know, hearing that that he was unhappy and it wasn't working the way we thought it was. um it was it was a very stressful time. Yeah. So that's when we made the decision that we really needed to, you know, do this on our own and and um, and have a little more say in what's going on. Okay. So, but now you've gone down a path, and this is what happens in small in any small business. You make a decision and you go, and you don't realize until you get there whether it was a good decision or not. It was every decision is a good decision at the time, and I think Jim, you could probably make a hand shake agreement right now with, with me and we'd go to business together. I think you know, that's the way life meant is meant to be. Mm-hmm. However, this one bit you. So what do you do? How do you turn that around? How do you get out of that? How do you, you know, what did you do to fix that and move forward? And what kind of problems did that cause you? Sounds like you're already in major debt with money that the other guy was putting up in the first place. So what was that like? Well, basically what ended up happening is we just uh, talked to him and say, this is not working. You know, um, there's a lot of problems and, you know, we were, uh, our family was growing too. And we just said, we decided um, that we're just going to step away. Um, At that point, um, we didn't have to buy the equipment or anything like that. Our portion of money that he had went towards that. He kept the equipment he wanted to know if I wanted to buy it, but I said, no, you know, we're going to just start scratch from ourselves. So he at one point was willing to just walk away too, which was very odd. I didn't expect that to happen. Uh, I know 10 years later, he still had the equipment and wasn't running the business. So it was, uh, uh, he near didn't know how to do it as good as he thought, because, you know, a couple years after we split, we were printing shirts for his company at our shop and he had all the equipment still at his house. So it goes to show you all things come around, you know, there was a, so it was okay. We were in debt, but then we were able to just say, okay, we'll take this percentage of of the money that we sold. um, And then you take the rest and then you have the equipment, but he can sell the equipment and do whatever he wants. And then we just, uh, you know, borrowed from her parents and we started it all over again, basically. And what gave you the courage and the strength to start over again? When when you hit a lot of folks, when they hit that crossroads, they call it failure. We all have to fail, fail often, fail fast, whatever it might be, you know, no big deal. But you didn't quit. You said, well, that didn't work. Let's try it this way. Why didn't you just quit? That would have been hard for me to say, well, that didn't work after a few months. Let's do something different. Well, I think I think part of that might have been um, we we felt like we were on to something, you know, we, uh, we wanted to have a business that would give us, um, a little extra, you know, that kind of thing. And we thought, you know, Jim had the background, he had the knowledge, we just needed the right, the right scenario for it to, to really work. And so we thought, well, okay, so this is not it, but we thought we could do something else. Plus his aunt uh, that lives in California runs the same kind of screen print business. So, you know, we had kind of picked our brains a little bit and, and so, you know, we just kind of thought, let's give it a shot a different way. And, and we still thought that was, this was the right Avenue for us. Yeah, and we were selling most of the work for that other place too and producing the majority of ourselves. So basically the idea was 
by that time, it was, uh, I always look at it as a very calculated risk, you know, when, uh, same thing years later, when I left my full-time job, you know, I had worked there for 14 years, but when we left, um, people said, boy, that's taken a, a, a lot of guts to leave. You have, a we were at two kids then. We had three, three. kids. Yeah, so the third one was just born too. So you're deciding um, to leave a full-time job with benefits after 14 years. But I always tell people it wasn't that risky because we had already been doing it out of the garage for several years. And we, um, my, the company that I worked for, they had no idea how large our business had grown out of the garage because they just thought, oh, he's doing some softball teams and stuff like that. But yeah. it was way bigger than that. We were doing a lot bigger customers right out of the garage that never knew we were running out of our garage. So um, we did that for years. So it was a calculated risk. We knew what we were already doing. We were onto something very well. So I can smell grit here. So here's what I'm hearing. Susan, you just said, we just wanted a little extra. <laughs> and, 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 and you got full-time jobs. I think, Susan, you were a teacher and you've got three kids. Mm-hmm. And yet you've built this thing in your garage so big that no one even knows all the things that are going on. It just feels to me like you guys had two full-time jobs, raising a family, building a business, which is more than a full-time job in the first place. Can you remember what that was like? Because I don't understand that many hours in a day that you must have been putting through to, yeah. to do this thing. Yeah, it was it was a lot. I um, for part of that time I was teaching part time, so I was home for half a day, and and I would do purchasing, and I would do the bookkeeping, and I would do those kinds of things. He would work full time. He'd come home, have dinner, and then a, a few nights a week he would be printing from seven to about one a.m. Mm-hmm. and you know get stuff done. The kids would go out, say good night, come back in, go to bed. It was it was very, very tiring and very busy. And that's when, you know, we came to the conclusion that, you know, and actually right before he left, our, our son was born and I was able to take two years off from teaching at that point. Okay. So I had been home and really had had been able to do a lot more to help the business grow and um then when I went back full time, he's full time, and we have this full time business in our garage. We're like, something has to give. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. And and what were the what were the issues of transition? I'm interested in that. And many of our listeners are thinking about doing something on their own. Maybe they're in a job they're stuck in, or or want to do this dream thing. And Jim, you mentioned you have a uh, you know a background in graphic arts and and things of like that. So you wanted this thing for yourself. Once you got there. What was the transition like to go from part time to go, you know, leave the job? What kind of new hurdles did that bring for your family? Well, I think the big thing was we had a like a young, we had a young son. He was only a couple years old, and uh, so we uh, Susan scheduled up with uh, neighbors or uh, my parents or her parents that would watch him one or two days a week. Uh, a few days he'd just be with me, you know, I'd be doing phone calls and stuff like that. When you go yeah. down for the app, I would help. So we were kind of doing it like that. We, we weighed a lot of things that people do now, like what's the childcare cost if he's at a place versus how much were we paying out versus, okay, well watch here. Now that the other two children don't need before or after school care, because now we'll actually be here, get them to the bus and that. So it did some of that double duty like that. And, you know, our 
our uh, family helped watch him. We had another lady that was from our church that did babysitting stuff. So that helped. Um, the kids used to go with me on deliveries and stuff. And uh, so we did all that stuff. They'd ride in a car and, uh, you know, they would uh, want to know what we're doing. Okay, we're going to pick up some supplies. We're doing that. And then uh, they'd sit out in the garage when they were little and uh, help watch the stuff come in. So they all grew up in the business, which is kind of funny. And they, uh, you know, from everything from uh, cleaning screens, you know, in the shower down in their basement, you know, so whatever it was we used to do. And like yeah. Susan said, when it was bedtime, they'd come out in the garage with their pajamas on to say goodnight. I had friends from where I worked with that would come over and help me in the evenings too. So a couple days a week, we'd have people come that were just friends of mine from my other job that would say, Oh, I'll come over and uh, make some extra money. And they'd come over and we'd, it would pay them too. So uh, it was kind of a, a lot of people were um, responsible for that beginning part, you know? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I'm, I'm listening to your story and I see you as a family and, and I think about family and when we have a family, we just don't think of it as, hard or a struggle or a pain. I got to wake up and take care of the family today. I mean, that's not the way it is. And so here you guys are running a family business. Is it work or is it a passion? Is it, I don't hear any, like, I, I know it's been hard for everybody, but it almost seems like you love it. Like a family. Is that the way it is? Yeah. I mean, we, um, we, we get to do a lot of really interesting things. And I mean, like a family, there are times when I'm like, oh, yeah. But um, (laughs) yeah, I mean, it's something that we, um, we do enjoy doing. And, and I think one thing that um, we kind of looked a couple of times, we, we have had family members work with us for a number of, of years and things. And, and, um, we're just very grateful that we are able to to have a business that can support other family members and and other people too. Yeah. So so that that kind of is part of what we like about it too. And so what are you watching out for in the future? So as Bullseye Graphics and Design Promotions continues to grow um, and you continue to build the business, what are the places of hurdle of grit that you're going to have to show moving forward? What are the challenges that your business might face in the near future? Well, I think one thing is finding some workers that are like trained and stuff like that. So, you know, I help out at a couple of vocational schools on the advisory board for Medina County and Cuyahoga Valley Career Center. Um, So we're trying to see what we can do about getting people interested in this type of stuff, because it is manual when you're printing and you're embroidering. It's a manual business. It's not sitting on a computer. You're doing a lot of stuff. So you have to find people that want to do that stuff. And we try to work with those schools to see, can they come in on tours? I'll go uh, speak to Cuyahoga Valley every year to the digital design program, talk to them about small business and uh, the hurdles and what we look for in employees and stuff. So it's that type of thing. So that's definitely an area that I know a lot of people are dealing with, um, but it's definitely uh, harder for people that want us get into this business because they need to learn a little bit of stuff. We can definitely train them, but if they come with some knowledge, it's helpful. Yeah. Have you had success when you go and talk to these young people? Cause I'm kind of passionate about that and making sure that there's opportunities for, for young people and that makes business grow. Um, have you had success getting people, getting young people excited about your industry? Have you seen a glimmer of hope in their eyes? And, and what, if so, what causes that do you think? Well, <clears throat> like most of them, I think they really like hearing a special project. So, 
They love hearing about the calves, the Indians, uh, printing through the night. Um, though those are very long, hard hours for everyone involved, it's interesting and people like it. So um, what what kind of makes people um, stop and wonder is when you talk about printing shirts, like we printed thousands of World Series champ shirts for the Indians when they were up 3-1 in 16. Thousands. And they were already uh. at the place to, to be distributed. Then that series kept going the other way. And we were called from our contact in New York said, would you print for the Cubs? Well, we didn't want to, my heart said no, but and we're not going to need to, but that was what happened. So it went three, one, then it went three, two. Then we got new artwork. We had to get new screens made. Then it was three, three. We were still set up for Indians world series. Our oh my gosh. And we watched the game together. Game was rain delay, extra innings, you know, ends in like one o'clock in the morning, one thirty. Yeah. We're back at the shop. We have to take down all the screens for the Indians. We have to put up the Cubs. We have to put new inks in. We have to test print it. I take a picture, send it to New York. They approve it. We go home, sleep for three hours, get back there at seven, and we print for the Cubs the whole next day after the Indians lost the World Series to them. So those are the crazy things, but the kids like hearing those stories. You know, uh, The students I see that they're yeah. interested and uh, I'll show them a picture of what the World Series champ shirts look like that never were done. We go, I'll show them this is what it was. You know, we had it, you know, and it's kind of like I'll do it as a. As oh, a you're killing thing. me, Jim. You're yeah. killing me. I know. Oh, Flat I, out killing yeah. me. I can't even breathe right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's it's tough. Most people can't believe it. Normally, I'll show them it and say, hey, here's a World Series champ shirt. You see anything different? And people will read it and they'll go wait, Indians didn't win the World Series. Yeah, but these were printed, you know, and they had to be donated and destroyed. You know, I also have, a, you know, one from the Cavaliers in 2015 when they didn't win it. But yeah. we had test printed it and had it ready, had it had it happen. So, and Is your business liable for that kind of thing? Do you have insurance for that? I mean, that's a lot of loss or is, are they pre-purchased? Yeah, they're pre-purchased. Yeah. From, you know, it's all all paid for ahead of time. So we're not yeah. doing anything on a whim. It's just, uh, you just lose the chance to make the revenue. So that's why in that instance with the Indians, you know, we either don't do anything and send them back blank shirts or we print them and send them out printed. So yeah. this made sense to print for the Cubs that day, even though we didn't want to. And just as a quick story of grid, how often does that kind of thing happen in your business? That's got to be fairly rare. Usually it's just print it and ship it. But how are there a lot of times where it's late sleepless nights trying to come up with a change? No, that that's um, what we call hot market. So that's okay. when, you know, you have your your teams. I mean, you know, when the the game is over, players have the hats on, they have the shirts on, they have that kind of stuff. That's a hot market. So those are the the things that, you know, are the late night and the the real quick pre, you know, typically. And in Cleveland, that doesn't happen as often no. as we would like, but we're hoping. <laughs> we are hoping. It's amazing how the those memories come back and, and uh, kind of wake you up to reality. <laughs> the way it is. And two in one year was very rare. You know, 16, you had the Cavs. And, and I, the thing I remember on the Cavs, we had just finished printing for the Cavs and our customer in New York, it it, that was only end of June and it called us and signed us up to print for the Indians. So that early they had already planned that these guys could go. So they would lock printers up in the different areas in the anticipation that that could happen. So 
we were just finishing the Cavs and they were signing us to a contract to say print for the Indians if they go into the playoffs. And then look what happened. And I remember the guy going, he goes, you don't know how rare this is. Two teams from the same area within months of each other. Yeah. It happened. It was very cool. Yeah. And good for you guys that you're able to be a, a, a part of that. If there's other businesses, folks that want to talk to you, maybe even about just family business and growth and things of that sort, or at least about uh, graphic design and, and promotional merchandise and things of that sort, how would they get in touch with you? Well, they can email us if they want, you know, you can either send it to um, my, my email is J Heiser, H E I S E R at bullseye or Susan's is S Heiser at bullseyeactivewear.com. Okay. Great. And I hope people do. And, and, and I, I can vouch for the work and I know that there's almost nothing you can't print on or, or embroider or, or build. So if people have some big dreams, they can reach out to you in that way. The Dash of Grit podcast is brought to you by Spire. Spire creates results-driven digital marketing and websites that help companies grow. Are you ready to break through the barriers that hold your company back? Take your growth higher with Spire. Learn more at spiread.com. Jim and Susan Heiser, thank you very much for sharing your story. I, I'm, I'm hoping that other small families, young families who are trying to wonder whether they can do it, see this story and say, yeah, they can do it. Because here's what I heard from you. I heard just go, have a dream and go. And it feels like even though we know it's hard, things do work out, don't they? Almost like a family. The, the problems are always behind you. They're never in front of you. And so um, just thank you for sharing your story and hope, hopefully we're in, we're uh, kind of inspiring some others to do the same path. Yeah. And this is our 30th year. So I think it's, you know, we, we've been, we've gone the distance. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 30 years. So who would have thought that? Not us. <laughs> I love you guys. It's like every time we think, yeah, they're good. Yeah, they're fine. Yeah, they're, yeah we've been in 30 years and we're the ones that printed all the World Series shirts. Yeah, but by the way, yeah, we're, we're just this little company in the garage. I just think it's amazing. I'm not sure which one of us thinks it's a bigger thing than me or you, whether as far as that goes. Well, we appreciate you, your program too. We've listened to it and stuff and watched it. So uh, it's great. I like the small business theme. That's great. Yeah, you got it. I'm happy to help and I'm glad you guys were a part of it. Thank you very much for being a part of uh, Dash of Grit. Folks, we do this every week and I appreciate your support. If you want to hear some other stories just like that, there's 80 or 90 or so in the back bin. So go ahead and find them at dashofgrit.com or wherever you find your podcasts. Until the next time, stay gritty. Thank you, Jim and Suzer of Bullseye Bullseye Active Word. And uh, we'll see you next time on Dash of Grit. Thanks, Brian. Thank you. This is a Dash of Grit. Recipes for success from courageous leaders who overcome challenges and build great things.